welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 234 of the podcast. This is Jessica. I know we have a lot of new listeners around here, and I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome. There are so many episodes that you can go back to to reference. Um, The point of the podcast truly is to empower you in your own role as a mom to validate you in your challenges, to help you to see that even the people that you think have their act all together, they have their challenges too, and they're working through them. Extraordinary moms are not perfect moms, but they are moms that are striving to be their best version of themselves, the best version of their motherhood, always learning, and everything in them is rooted in love. That is an extraordinary mom. And so today we're hearing from another extraordinary mom. It is Rachel Nielsen. You may know her from the 3 and 30 podcast, which I have been loving, loving, loving lately. So if you haven't already checked that out, that's a podcast you can add to your queue. But today we're talking about the multitude of challenges that she has faced in her life and in her motherhood journey. But specifically, we're going to talk about how writing has really been a vehicle to a lot of healing and processing for her. So we're going to talk about the role that writing has played in her life, and maybe it'll give you an idea of how you can process some of what you're working through or have worked through in the past a little bit deeper. So let's get to my extraordinary conversation with Rachel Nielsen. All right, I'm thrilled to be chatting with Rachel Nielsen today. Hey, Rachel. Hi, Jessica. How Thanks so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. I feel like some people feel with me probably that they hear our voices so much that they feel like they know us. And so I do feel like I know you and I'm caught up on some things in your life and everything, but it'll be fun right? to dig a little deeper today. Yeah. And I have to say, I'm I'm honored to be talking to you and to be on your show because I feel like you were really one of the first motherhood podcasters. Like it's becoming more common now, but... You've been doing this for a couple of years, haven't yeah, you? I have. Yeah, over two. Over two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I've heard your voice for a long time. So it's really fun to be able to talk to you. Oh, well, thanks for, for listening and for being supportive. And I'm glad there are more motherhood shows because I just can't get enough. And, and I love telling people about my podcast and other podcasts I love because it's free. Right. And so like yes. you get free education, whether it's in motherhood or business or comedy, whatever it is. It's something that is so easy to share because you're not asking anything of anybody besides like a time commitment if they want to listen. Mm-hmm, definitely. Mm-hmm. What other podcasts do you like to listen to? Um, I, you know, the, there's one podcast that I listen to like every week I look forward to. It's called The Next Right Thing by Emily P. Freeman. Have her, you heard of that one? Her voice is so soothing, but it, yeah, it kind of yes. puts me to sleep. So I can't do it while driving, but I like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's short and it's like, um, it's, it's kind of religious, but storytelling, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's different than, it's not a motherhood podcast, mm-hmm. but I love that one. And then um, Monica Packer about progress mm-hmm. I listen to. And there's a business podcast that I love called Building a Story Brand with Donald Miller. Do you I've know his that, work? I've heard of that one, but I haven't listened. Yeah, he is like, 
he's just amazing. He's he was originally an author and wrote memoirs, and I loved his books before. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of morphed his uh, write like his memoir writing into a business model. And it's just so cool, and he has a podcast about it. So I That's totally recommend great. that one. Okay, I'll have to add that to my queue. That's awesome. Well, for people that may yeah. not know you, you have the 3 and 30 podcast. And when did you start that? October. Oh, it's been so, about seven months. So fun. And we'll get more into the nitty-gritty of that podcast and everything. But for people that may not know you, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? Yeah. So I'm, I was born and raised in Colorado. And I'm the middle child of two sisters, three girls in our house, and my sisters are still my best friends. And um, growing up, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was six, and she battled it for 13 years and passed away when I was 19. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my family has always been really, really close because of that trial and struggle that we went through together. And my sisters and I have really clung to each other. So they're so important in my life. And then I was a high school English teacher and taught for five years before my kids were born. And now I'm home with them and I do the podcast and I work a little bit for my husband's business. He's a pediatric dentist and I help with the marketing and all that sort of thing. Amazing. Amazing. So let's go back to that early childhood because I know that there are parents who have a sick child or there's a widow listening or there's different people that are facing challenges where they are striving to make the best situation possible for their children in amidst really bad circumstances. Your mom was diagnosed when you were six years old. So really in your formative years, you didn't know anything different than this struggle. Were you aware of what a struggle it was or was it kind of a norm for your family? I feel like it was, it became a norm because Mm -hmm. she battled off and on. She went in and out of remission. And even when she was in remission, because she had no immune system, because she'd gone through chemo and radiation several times, she was sick even when she didn't have cancer. She had other weird things going on. Mm. So um, it became a norm for sure. But I do remember like, her telling us that she had cancer is one of my very first memories and how scary that was. She went and had a bone marrow transplant shortly thereafter and was in the hospital for about three months. And we lived with my grandparents a lot during that time. Mm. Um, So yeah, it was, it was definitely a struggle, but like I said, my family grew so much closer and my mom was really an exceptional and present mother. She wasn't, like an invalid who was always in bed and was absent. She was very present in my life, even though she was sick. And now that I'm a mom, I'm like, it's, it takes on a whole new meaning to me that she was really young when she was diagnosed. She was 35 Wow. and I'm 33. So I'm like, that's like me being diagnosed in a year or two. And her kids were similar ages to what my kids are. And that just, it makes me appreciate even more what she went through and what an incredible mother she was, even battling cancer. Oh, I'm just so sorry for that loss. I can't imagine losing my mom. That has to be the hardest. But how would you say that that experience and that loss 
kind of shaped your vision for your family and your goals for becoming a mom and what kind of mom you wanted to be? I just always wanted to be a mom like my mom. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she was sick, it it didn't really register. I mean, (laughs) like that wasn't a primary characteristic that I thought of when I thought of my mom. Like she was just so vibrant and involved and excited for us and celebrating with us at every moment. And I just always, always wanted to be like her when I became a mom. Um, so then I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say that her illness affected that other than when I did become a mom, I think that reawakened a lot of the grief that I had from my mom's passing Mm. and made everything feel really, um, like I was really anxious about becoming a mom because I realized that life is really delicate and uncertain. And here now I had these babies that needed me so much and it kind of haunted me. Like, what if I die? What if I leave them? And, um, so that's actually like, I never really did much counseling. I never did any counseling Mm. about my mom's death until I became a mother and everything like awakened for me and that grief and that loss. And so that's when I went to counseling and I love counseling (laughs) and, um, have worked through a lot of that. And just, I feel like I miss her in a whole new way now that I'm a mom myself. And I just wish that she were here to advise me and be with me and, laugh at my kids and talk me through the hard times and I'm jealous of other people who have moms and Mm. I you know but I'm also so happy for them and the relationships that they have with their moms but it's a gift when if you if you have your mom in your life that is a real gift Mm. it is it is and I think as long as things are going along swimmingly we do tend to take it for granted We tend to take for granted our kids' health. We take for granted our able bodies until something's taken from us. We take for granted Mm -hmm. having a stable job until the the boat gets rocked, right? But it doesn't have to be that way. And so I like how you said that you weren't really focusing on the sickness part of it. But by default, she was extra intentional as a mom, it sounds like, right? And so, so you could focus on the anxiety and the fear of being mortal, as a mom and I have that same fear too as well a lot of times like I just want so badly to see my kids grow up I want so badly to be around forever and see all the big things and teach them all the things and but we're all mortal you don't have to have a cancer diagnosis to have tomorrow taken from you and Mm -hmm. so the focus can be worry and anxiety that tomorrow's the end or next year's the end or five years from now or it could be be intentional today and be at peace with just you put it all on the table and be yes. and show up intentionally for your kids. Is that kind of how you approach it? Yeah. And I will say that I do think about her sometimes when I'm in the midst of just like the everyday mundane tasks of motherhood that I'm annoyed and frustrated by, mm. um, like cleaning the kitchen or doing laundry. And I think about that time that she spent in the hospital for three months And I have a really vivid memory of, I was about six or seven climbing into her hospital bed with her when I was visiting her and we would visit her one at a time during her bone, when she was recovering from her bone marrow transplant and, um, kind of cuddling up to her and telling her 
that I wish that she could see me in my Halloween costume and that she just was silently crying, like these tears falling, you know, and I, at the time, just didn't quite understand why she was crying. But now I'm like, oh, those everyday things with motherhood are so precious. And my mom would have given anything to go home and sweep the kitchen floor Mm. and fold laundry and see me in my Halloween costume. So there's times when moments like that flash through my mind and they do really ground me and remind me to be grateful for my health and Mm. that I can be there for my kids and take care of my home and my family. Mm. That's a great reminder. My husband's mom passed away when he was 14 and she had about two years um, leading up to it knowing that she was not going to live much longer. And so before she really got more and more sick, she had lifestyle photos taken. And this is 20 years ago when you know, the, the photography is not professional and everything, but she just had someone come and take snapshots of her preparing cereal that. in the morning and sweet and jumping on the trampoline and sweeping and going on her walks and with her big headphones on because she loved taking walks. And those pictures we just treasure about mm. those moments and her showing up and being in the same frame as her kids. She struggled with her weight on and off, and there were times where she didn't want to be in photos. You better believe in those last two years, she was in every picture, no matter what state she was in. We need to be in the picture. And my mom was such a good example of that um, because she really lost a lot of what people would have considered her physical beauty very quickly. She Mm. lost her hair. She was young still, you know, and she lost her hair. She She got a mastectomy. She... Um, with, she swelled up from steroids. So a lot of times she had like a really round face and different things, but she was, we have so many pictures with her and I never heard her talk about her body or feeling ugly. She just always seemed to really embrace life. And like, we have pictures of her with our Mr. Potato Head doll without her wig on. So her face was like swollen and she was bald and she's holding up the Mrs. Mr. Potato Head and kind of laughing at herself. She just always didn't take life too seriously and showed me that beauty is so much deeper than just your physical appearance. And I think about that so often in a world that I feel like is getting more and more consumed with physical beauty And I find myself falling into it and feeling like bad about certain characteristics or things with my appearance. And then I think of my mom with that Mr. Potato Head doll and how much we loved her for her and that she could just laugh at herself, even in the midst of the most, the biggest trial and not take herself so seriously. Oh, I love that. And I mean, that just makes me think as we're approaching swimsuit season in the summer, are you going to leave your cover up on? Because you didn't end up losing those five pounds you'd plan on losing for the summer, right? Do not wait to enjoy your life and enjoy your kids and see them enjoying your life. Because like you said, Mm -hmm. it it really has come back to serve you very well in your self-image and your self-concept. And those pictures are so priceless with her. I'm so glad she didn't stay out of the picture just because she was wearing a turban or a wig or different things. Because I love every picture of my mom that we have. (laughs) Oh, I love the way you speak about her. That's so beautiful. She would be so, so proud of you. I know you know that. And so tell me about what you envisioned in terms of your own motherhood. What did you envision for your family when you started family planning? How did everything kind of unfold for you? 
So I knew as a teenager that I was probably going to have some fertility issues just based on um, some problems I had starting as a teenager. And so uh, I'm grateful my mom was still living then and when I got some testing done and different things. And so that didn't, it didn't come as a shock to me. Like she and I kind of talked through it and that I, that I might have to pursue fertility treatments or adoption someday. And so when that time did come, um, when I, after I was married for about, you know, three or four years, we started both of those roads at the same time. So we just, we started fertility treatments and the adoption process and just, put it in the hands of God, which one would work out first. And I'm really grateful that I did have that notice because it wasn't this big, shocking, sad thing for me that it wasn't working. I kind of just always knew that we'd probably need a little bit of help. And, um, so we went through those processes together, which was really, really hard doing both at the same time and ended up adopting my son um, my oldest, and then a f- several years later did IVF and conceived my daughter. Okay. So we have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and they're my miracle babies. And so you have done both routes, and it is no easy feat to come to the decision of how you're going to grow your family. And as you were going through that process of infertility treatments and adoption, how did you kind of wrestle with when other people would announce their pregnancies and when people would make it seem so easy or they would complain about their ailments? Did you ever wrestle with emotions of feeling jealousy or comparison or that unfairness? Because I know that is a common sentiment. Yeah, I I did. Um, I feel like for the most part, I really tried hard to stay in a state of mind where I could be happy for people. And I was fairly successful with that. But then of course there were moments when I was just so sad for myself that it would manifest as some jealousy or different things. More than anything, it would just be, I wouldn't be upset when people got pregnant. I would be upset when they were insensitive about getting pregnant. Like Mm. if they would say to me like, oh, it just like, I can't believe I'm pregnant again. Like this was a surprise or when they'd kind of rub it in that they could get pregnant the first month in front of me, I just was like, Oh, that's just not very sensitive. And that's what would hurt the most that hurt more than just a friend or a family member announcing their pregnancy because I was excited for that. But I just really appreciated when people were sensitive to what I was going through. Yeah, it is so important to be aware enough to realize, yeah, that other people might be sensitive to your joy. And you can certainly share in their joy, but also recognize the challenge that it can be and, and the dual dual emotions. Um, I also mm-hmm. struggled getting pregnant. The first pregnancy took me about 18 months and with a, some minor intervention. And um, I was feeling that resentment kind of bubbling up. And I didn't like it. And I didn't want it to be there. And so I started throwing baby showers for everybody. And I, I just felt that. like taking control of that was just a way that I could offer, I don't know, I could just join in their joy um, in mm. a way than more than just attending the baby shower. And it really did work to kind of shift my focus, shift my energy, and genuinely be happy for them, even when I was disappointed for my own misfortune of not having it happen in my timing. I think that is really brilliant, Jessica, because I do feel like 
when we feel resentment or jealousy towards someone else, often the best thing that we can do is just pour more love on them and get to know them better and celebrate with them. And that often for anything, not just pregnancy for anything. And a lot of times that makes our own jealousies kind of dissolve as we just start to love them more. And so I'm like, that takes real maturity to do that, to throw the baby showers, but I'm sure it was really helpful for you too. I was really young. I'm surprised that occurred to me, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I was like well, It just shows you, 25. Have a wise, you have a wise heart. Oh, well, thank you. I'll take that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it really did work. So what can you do to really contribute to their joy and, and add to your own as well? Hey, everyone. I know you're loving my conversation with Rachel so far, and it's only going to get better. But I wanted to jump in and share one of our show sponsors, and that is Molecule. Molecule is the only air purifier that actually destroys pollutants. Molecule has been proven to make a meaningful impact for asthma and allergy sufferers. One customer has even said that she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. Isn't that crazy? Molecule introduces a breakthrough science that's capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. That's really what sets Molecule apart. It has a clean design with a high quality experience and you're breathing clean air and that is something that can really transform the way you sleep and feel the next day after a good night's rest. Molecule's technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has already helped allergy and asthma sufferers around the country better cope with their conditions and significantly reduce their symptoms. So for our special offer for our listeners, you can get $75 off your first order by visiting Molecule, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com. And at checkout, enter EMP. That's for $75 off your first order. So give Molecules Technology a try and get the best air quality in your home as possible. Thanks so much, Molecule, for sponsoring the show. Now let's get back to it with Rachel. And so as, as you've walked through all these different journeys with losing your mom and the IVF and adoption and everything, you've used writing as a way of processing experiences, emotions, was it always done in a way where you intended it for it to be private? Did you ever plan to publish these things? Because another connection that we have in common is Power of Moms. We both love Power of Moms. I've written for Power of Moms, as have you. Um, what was kind of your intention when you started writing? And then when did you start to share a little bit more? So I feel like I started writing really early on. It's just it's just part of me. Um I've always loved words and reading and writing, but I had a really wise aunt who gave me a journal that was not just a journal, not just a blank book, but it was um, a journal that had like writing prompts and prompts for drawing and being creative when I was a preteen and my mom's cancer had returned. And so that was a way that my aunt got me to sort of start processing And I love that. I think that's such a good gift idea if you know of like a teenage girl who's going through something really hard is to find her a really cool journal where she can express herself. And um, I feel like that is what got me hooked on writing as a way to process and heal that journal from my aunt. And then it kind of went from there that I would just I just continued to journal all through my mom's illness and her passing. And then, like you said, after I finished teaching, so I taught English, so I do just love to write. Mm-hmm. Um, when my 
when I started staying home with my son and he was very colicky and I was kind of miserable <laughs> being home with him. <laughs> and here we'd waited so long to have a baby and I was so unhappy. I found Power of Moms and that's when I started writing and publishing what I was writing. And at first it's really scary to share some of the more private personal things in your heart. But I think the more that you do it and the more people respond positively and thank you and say, I feel the same thing you put into words, what I've always been feeling, the more you want to do it, you realize that you're not alone and you don't need to be ashamed of these feelings that you're having. And so I feel like I've gotten more and more willing to share my writing, even my personal writing the more I've done it, the more willing I've become to share. I love that. And I think it's important to point out that you'd wait all this time and you are anticipating feeling the most grateful you've ever felt when you have a little baby in your arms. And it was hard. And I think that is no. okay. <laughs> it is okay to be like, where's the love? Where's the joy? Where's the awesomeness? Because <laughs> it was and there. People would, people would say to me like, oh, you waited so long for this. You must be enjoying every minute. And that just added to yeah, like, the guilt that I felt. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not enjoying every minute. He never stops crying. And, of course, there were moments that I loved. Yes. But um, it was just so hard. So, yeah, any new moms, if you're feeling that, I totally get you. Yep. It'll get better. You don't have to love every moment. Right. So that's what I learned. Yeah, bingo, bingo. Yeah, I just – I've always felt that writing has really helped me to get the spinning thoughts – out of my mind. Um, mm -hmm. And so if you're ever, whether you're writing in a list form, in an essay form, whether you plan to publish it or whether you plan to shred it after. <laughs> I've written emails to people that I've never sent um, and then I delete them because if you just leave it in a draft inbox, I don't trust that it's never going to actually get sent. But So don't do that. But gosh, it is so helpful to get, especially the concerns that you have down on paper and out um, in order to really release them from staying stuck yeah. in your mind. Have you found that? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, um, that's not just something that you've discovered that works for you. That is like a proven therapeutic mm -hmm. technique. I mean, I told you that I went to counseling mm -hmm. and I've been to several different counselors and many of them have had me write as part of my counseling. Um, one counselor had me write. So I struggled with, with some eating disorder behaviors when my mom was dying to sort of control my grief. Mm. And, um, I didn't get help for those until after my son was born. So when I went to counseling, she had me write like a narrative where I embodied my eating disorder as a character in, in a story. I so I like had to remove those thoughts and they weren't me anymore. They were a character in my story and write out what this character was saying to me. And when I did that, it was so much easier for me to see how toxic this was and how untrue it was that mm. these thoughts that my eating disorder was feeding to me. And I think that that narrative had a huge part in, in my healing to really remove it from me and say, I don't want to hear this voice anymore. I don't want to live this way anymore. Mm. So um, that was one way that I used writing in counseling. I have another counselor who encouraged me to write letters uh, a lot to process the different experiences I've had in my life and the different things I'm feeling. And like you mentioned, Jessica, not letters that I'll necessarily send, but mm -hmm. just 
it's different than journaling where you're just journaling like this happened and this is how I felt. When you actually write a letter that is directed towards someone or something and it's, it's so much more powerful to say, I felt this when you did this, why did you do this? I wish you wouldn't have, you know, even if you never are going to send that letter, just getting it out is really powerful when you make it pointed like that and specific. I love that. And you've also written letters to your children. Is that correct? Yes. Tell me about that. Um, Yeah. So I have written letters to my kids. Well, I wrote letters to them all through the adoption and fertility process. So that was like writing letters to a hypothetical, you know, (laughs) I didn't know yet who I was writing to, but I would just write to the baby and it made it much more personal to me. And I could express my grief when things didn't work out. I had an ectopic pregnancy and I wrote to the baby about that experience. I wrote to the baby about some failed adoptions where we were contacted by birth moms who changed their minds and my grief with that. And then obviously my excitement and joy and all the feelings that I felt after Noah was born. I wrote him a letter about that. And I just continued to write both of them letters to express some of the deeper, more important experiences that they won't understand until they're older. But I may forget Mm. how I felt in those moments. So I write them a letter now that they won't understand for a long time, but they'll have that letter forever. That makes sense. That is so good. So powerful. And for moms that feel like, oh, I can't add one more thing to my to-do list. How do you decide when to write letters? Um, Do you continue to write letters? How do you incorporate it as part of your life where it doesn't feel like another to-do, but something that you're excited about and, and you can keep up with? So at first, when I wasn't as busy, (laughs) when I just had one child, and um, I would write them just as different big things came up. It seemed really natural that I knew I needed to write him a letter. So we have an open adoption with his birth parents, and I knew that I needed to write him a letter about what that was like, navigating the open adoption. Mm -hmm. Um, They got married at And then I knew I needed to write him a letter about them getting married and what that would mean for him. Mm -hmm. They got divorced and I knew I needed to write him a letter about that experience. So it was just pretty obvious these big moments that he would need to know about someday. Um, Whereas now I'm busier and I, and also my daughter is our biological child. And so maybe there's not as many like, things like that, that I need to explain to her. So she doesn't have as many letters, Mm -hmm. but I do try to always do Valentine's day. I'll write them a love letter about all the things I love about them. And then on their birthdays, I'll write a letter about some of the big things that have happened that past year in our family. So I kind of have like triggers that remind me like it's Valentine's day week time to write my kids a love letter. It's their birthday time to write them their birthday letter so that it, I don't forget to weave it in. Yes. Twice a year. That feels very doable. And then if there's bigger things that come up or things strike you, you can write a letter, but I love that. That is such a great idea. And we always feel sentimental, right? We always go back over the pictures on their birthdays and everything. Why not just take that time to also write a little letter, a little love letter to them. 
Oh. And I love, I mean, I love to write, so I really like put time and I want it to be beautifully written. And But if that's not your thing, it doesn't matter. Sit down, give yourself 20 minutes and just write from your heart and mm-hmm. don't worry about making it a masterpiece. They're going to be grateful for any any details that you write down about them at every age. They're going to love that someday. Oh, wouldn't you love to receive that? That would be so mm-hmm. incredible to have that snapshot in time from your mom written down for all time. Like that is just so special. And then their kids can read it and their kids yeah. and their kids. I mean, that's cool. And you know, my mom did not do any of this and mm. that could be why I'm even more passionate about it. Sure. My mom was not a record keeper. I have almost nothing from her and that is a huge source of sadness in my life. Mm. And I would, give anything to have some letters from her about what I was like the child her advice for the future different things like that and so I feel like I feel really compelled to leave something for my kids I I definitely think I will still be around I hope I'll they'll be able to just ask my advice but I still think that having it written down is a huge blessing Absolutely. And just going back to the legacy that my husband's mom left before she passed away, she did take some time to write her personal history and letters to her kids before she passed away. And it really is so treasured. Um, She wrote letters to them on their wedding day that were to be given to them when they got married, um, what she wanted for them, what she hoped for their marriage, things like that. Um, She just made sure that they knew like what she believed and the wisdom that she would want to impart later in life. And, um, I think it's so great to be proactive about that and you don't need to wait until yet, you know, like we talked about before till, till the end, you know, you can, you can Mm. do that now and, and really rejoice in, in being able to document those truths now. Definitely. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes, um, from your podcast, the three and 30 podcast, um, was actually episode number six, Three Messages of Hope for the Darkest Times. Your son's birth mother passed away in the fall. And that had to be just a really hard thing to talk about on the show. But you did it so beautifully. I'm curious to know more about that time and that experience in your family's life. And and did you use writing to work through that that time? Um, So that was just so, so incredibly difficult. Um... She struggled with really severe depression and she took her own life. And there are so many emotions with that that are different than even the grief that I felt with my mom's passing. Um, Mm -hmm. Suicide just adds a new level of difficult emotions that I had never dealt with with a death before. And we were extremely close to Katie. She and I were great friends and... She was at Noah's um, birthday every year. She we vi- we did lots of visits and calls, and I was in the delivery room when he was born, and um, I spoke at her funeral. Oh so, um, I mean, this is it was a this is a very intimate loss for our family, and I'm still not totally like I can't say how I dealt with it because I I'm still. Like I, it's still really fresh, you know? Um, but, and I haven't written about it yet, which Mm. is interesting because I am such a writer, but I do feel like I don't, I haven't written him the letter yet, but 
it's a letter that needs to be written. Hmm. And I just haven't figured out how to, how to write all this down for him. But I'm so grateful that I have other letters that I've written him that chronicle our relationship. And actually Katie was a writer too, a beautiful writer and she loved to write. And so I have letters that she has written to him over the years. And um, then I have letters that I have written him about different moments within my relationship with Katie that were turning points where I chose to really let her in and love her and have her be a big part of his life. And I'm so grateful that he'll have those as like a context for um, what happened and her death and, mm. and moving forward. Um, so in answer to your question, I haven't used writing yet and I need to, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's almost been too hard or too fresh still. I've tried to write the letter. I've tried to do some, and I just, I can't yet. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just really, really fresh. And I even feel it inside of me. Like, I feel like everything kind of seizes up and Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, it's not time yet, you know, but like it, it, there will be. And you know what? I'm also going to write letters to her. Uh, Um, And I need to probably express all sorts of things to her, which I will do. And, um, I, I write a letter to my mom every year on Mother's Day, mm. and that's, like, my trigger. Every year on Mother's Day, I'm, like, I'm writing my letter to my mom. It's it's time, and I love those letters because they've become, like, an autobiography of my life, and they if I do one every single year until I die, like, they will be my autobiography, the letters yeah. to my mom, and um, so I've just thought, I need to do that for her. Like I'm going to write a letter every year on Noah's birthday to Katie telling her about Noah and that we miss her and just whatever I need to say. And I think that that will be something special that he can have someday, even though he doesn't have her physically, he can have that. Well, I love that her life and her story, despite the tragic ending, it is shaping all of you. And it can really, truly shape you for good. You can keep living out in her honor everything that she has taught you. And no doubt that is a huge piece of the puzzle for your family. Yeah. Oh, and we've man. had so many special um, – I feel like I've just really learned to speak what I feel to. And so we've had some really special conversations when his birth dad came to visit drew is his name. And he came to visit this winter and it was the first time since Katie's passing that we'd seen him. And, um, he and Noah and my husband, Ryan went skiing. And after they were skiing, we were all like gathered around eating pizza. And to me, it was just like this, it was the, the void was so obvious that Katie wasn't there. It was the first time that we'd all been there together without her. And, I just had to say something, you know, and I just said, you know, the only thing that would have made this day more perfect is if Katie were here. Mm. And Noah said, I miss her mom. And I said, I miss her too. And she's in heaven watching over us, just like my mom is watching over us. And then Drew, I, Drew has also lost a parent. He lost his father. And so he spoke up and said, and just like my dad is watching over us. And it was just like this really special bonding moment where the three of us 
connected over having lost a parent that we miss, but that we believe is still with us. And I'm just so grateful to be able to share that with even my six-year-old son. Like he's not too young for me to talk to him about those things that matter to me. And I just really try to be honest with him about what I'm thinking and feeling. Mm. That is so powerful. I just want to really thank you for letting us into that really intimate part of your life. Um, I don't know how much at length you've, you've spoken about this, but I feel like there's so much that we can learn from your experience and the way that you have you have processed it so far and the way, way you're continuing to deal with it and realizing, you know, you're not at the finish line yet of processing the grief, but day by day you're learning and you're getting closer to that finish line of being able to, to live out a new normal, um, just with a new, a new truth and a new peace. I hope. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Yes, definitely. That's beautiful. Well, I love, love, love your podcast, 3 and 30 podcast. Why did you want to start it? How has it been going? And really, what's your hope for it? So I started it because I love to teach. And um, I have written for Power of Moms. I've written a lot of articles that were like three three ways to capture memories of motherhood or three ways to make time to journal and different things like that for power of moms. But I really feel like podcasting is a new way that a lot of moms are getting their information because they don't have time to read as much. Mm -hmm. And so I just had the idea that I could start a podcast that would be similar to those articles. So it, my podcast has really concrete takeaways they're, the episodes are 30 minutes long and they have three concrete takeaways in each episode. Um, and I, it's been so enjoyable and the guests have been so amazing and their ideas just blow me away and make me a better mom for sure. As I'm learning from them, I'm like, I'm going to apply that and that and that. <laughs> I know. And it's just been a really cool experience for for me as a young mom. I mean, my kids are only six and three. I have so far to go and I'm so grateful for all the things I'm learning. Yeah. And for somebody that is passionate and driven, like you are creating, like I say this for myself, I created a job for myself because I wanted to stay in my home. I wanted to be there Mm. as a stay at home mom in this season of life, but I wanted to contribute and I wanted a passion project. And this podcast was mine. It sounds like three and 30. That's what it's been for you. And I benefit so much from these conversations with extraordinary women just like you that I'm glad I can share and have other people like learn from them and enjoy them as well. But selfishly, I just love doing it so much. Yes, I totally agree with that. So good. So good. And so you'll just, what's, what's your plans for the show? Just keep going. Do you have a lineup for the summer or anybody you're excited about? Yeah, I do have the summer pretty much lined up. I, I feel right now I'm just really overwhelmed by it. Like I feel like I'm still pretty new at it. And so I, I haven't like totally perfected my processes or gotten it, gotten it down to a place where it's manageable. So I'm to be frank, to be honest, I'm really totally over my head with the podcast right now, (laughs) but it's going, it's going really well. And I do have a lineup through the summer um, as far as like specific episodes, I'm, I'm excited for all of them, but I'm really excited for, um, Ralphie Jacobs, who I know you love. I do. Um, she was on my show at the very beginning, like my fourth episode, she was on the show, which I loved, 
but she actually, I heard her on your show Mm -hmm. talking a little bit about her dad and I had seen little snippets of her with him on Instagram and he's in a wheelchair and I just seen like their sweet interactions together. And then I heard her talk a little bit about him on your show. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her if she wanted to do a Father's Day episode about him and what oh. she'd learned from him. And so she's coming on to do that. And I'm really excited about that one. Amazing. And yeah. So there's just going to be some great episodes this summer. And then I may also pull some from the very beginning of my show that people haven't listened to that are new and use a couple of those to get me through the summer when mm-hmm. my kids are out of school And then we'll just go from there. I mean, it's just, it's a constant work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. That is so awesome. Well, I'm just loving your show. I think it is so well done. I love the concrete takeaways that you know you can expect every single episode. You have such extraordinary guests on. You're just doing such a great job. Well done. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I always ask my guests just one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? So I've heard you ask this question a lot. And when you ask it, I always think, oh, man, what would my answer be? Um, And honestly, as I thought about this interview today and what I would say, I, I thought maybe I would reverse it a little and say, what would my pre motherhood self tell me now? Because Mm. sometimes I think about how if I could have had a glimpse when I was a young newlywed or a college student, if I could have had a glimpse and seen these beautiful babies, I would have been so smitten by like, just like a little vision of this little blonde three-year-old, you know, that was going to be my girl (laughs) or this cute little boy, Noah, who was going to be causing havoc in my home. Mm -hmm. Um, And now sometimes I'm just like, these kids are driving me insane and they're making messes and tantrums. And I focus on all of that. And I'm like, I just kind of want to tell myself to remember what a gift they are and how, how smitten I would have been knowing what I was going to get and to be, to be aware of that now and to live that way now and love them and treasure them in that way. That's it. That's everything. That is everything. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your motherhood journey, for sharing about your mom, who sounds just as extraordinary as you are. But I hope people will use writing as a way of processing, of documenting, of journaling, and really as just a gift and a love letter to their children and to anybody really important. What a powerful tool. So thank you for sharing that today. Where can people find you online? They can find me at 3in30podcast.com, and it's the number 3-I-N- then 30podcast.com or um, my podcast if you looked in a podcast app is 3 in 30 takeaways for moms and I'm on Instagram at 3 in 30 podcast as well perfect Rachel thank you so much for sharing today thank you for giving me the opportunity I really appreciate it my pleasure have a great day Wasn't that just incredible? Doesn't it make you want to just start writing love letters to your kids like this very second? I love how simple you can make it. Valentine's Day and birthdays, or maybe just birthdays, or maybe at the start of the new year, whatever it is, but just taking the time to bookmark and timestamp where you're at right now, talking through the big things that arise in your family so that they know how you feel about it 
and how they can process it too. So powerful to use writing as that tool, and I hope that you'll implement that as Rachel has. So, so good. I hope you'll check out her podcast, 3 in 30. There are so many amazing guests on there and so many powerful takeaways to implement in your life. I've learned so much from that show, and I know that you will too. Definitely check out episode number six, which is the one about the loss in their family. I also um, enjoyed her takeaways from counseling. Ralphie's episode, I'm sure, is totally amazing. Marilyn Faulkner, mom of Allison and Andrea. Um, she just had an episode come out about raising confident kids. Those were also great. Could not recommend it anymore. So thanks, Rachel, for taking the time to be on the show. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Pictures of Rachel and her cute family will be over at the podcast website, ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. And you can also listen to episodes over there if you want as well. Coming up on Friday, we have a great episode about yoga and rebuilding your core postpartum. Anybody else? have separated abs or pelvic floor issues. Yoga can be so helpful. And Catherine Middlebrooks is coming on to talk about her yoga program that she really believes can help women to transform their bodies and their core and rebuilding those muscles that have been really stretched out. It's a great conversation that I know you're going to love. So I hope you'll tune in then. Make sure you're subscribed. Thank you for always sharing the show. You guys are the best. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.